ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Golf Channel Podcast with Rex and Lav. Hideki Matsuyama is a surprise winner this week at Riviera, a final round 62, the lowest closing score ever at this fame venue. Gets the win by three shots over Luke List and Will Zalatoris. It also capped what was a very eventful week at Riviera. My first one out, Rex, in the year 2024. You're watching at home. You look well rested. What was your biggest takeaway? Uh, Patrick Cantlay. I expected him to come out and shoot a couple under par, win pretty easily, and shoot two over par, and just looks ridiculous. Like I don't, I didn't understand it. Like I feel like he's a player that is poised to to take that next step to become a dominant player. He's already a star, and he goes out and does this in his hometown of event at a golf course that he's played virtually his entire life. That shocked me. Patty Ice. Uh, no more. Not Patty, so much. Patty, Patty Ice melting. I mean, that, that seems like a long time ago that he was staring down Bryson head to head at the BMW championship. Everyone got real excited. Uh, he, he, he took it to the next level the following week at Eastlake. It's it's pretty shocking, Rex, but he's gone a year and a half, Patrick Cantley has, without a victory on the PJ Tour. Did you sense anything that was a miss on Sunday? Like, what did you actually notice? I don't think I sense anything. And, and it's funny. I was, I did a radio interview on Saturday morning. Someone, you know, what do you expect on Sunday afternoon? And I, I go, it, this is ridiculous. And this is my own unrealistic expectations, but I expect some emotion from Pat Cantley because had he won this, which I fully expected him to do. So it would have been his hometown event. We were in the middle of talking about Tiger Woods, which we're going to get to who we drew after the, yeah, midway through the second round with illness or whatever the case may be. I mean, this is a guy that went through his own issues. You wrote a fantastic story a few years ago, if I remember it, won an award talking about how, I mean. Probably just a, probably just an honorable mention. I don't actually win uh, awards. I just get the most honorable mentions of any golf writer in human history. Just collecting. You're, you're just a compiler. <laughs> is that what you are? You're a just compiler a, when it comes to. They don't, they, don't, they, don't, they, don't, they don't get anything. They just get pats on the back. And I've no one, no one gets more pats in the back than I do. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, but you, you look at what he has overcome, and I think it's real easy to skip by that. And I don't like to do it because he's kind of stoic. He's he's not a lot of fun to root for. He's not a lot of fun to listen to. Uh, I remember listening to him a few weeks ago at Pebble Beach, and I turned to a colleague of ours, Doug Ferguson, the AP golf writer, and I'm like, Pat smiles at the wrong time. And when you're in the middle of an interview, you realize that when he's saying something, the words that are coming out of his mouth do not match the expression on his face. And you're like, okay, like he's a little off. Like he, he's not, he's not clicked in. He's not locked in, in all the right places. However, this felt like the perfect time. I mean, he's a, he's a LA kid. 
He still works with Jamie Mulligan, who, you know, the head pro at, at Valencia Com uh, Country Club, just a few miles north of there or south of there. And I was shocked. I did not see this coming at all, simply because he doesn't do that. He may not blow your doors off. He may not be the guy that goes out and birdies three of the last four holes to win a tournament, but he's not going to shoot two over in the final round to lose it. And that's exactly what he did. I'll go in a different direction with my biggest takeaway. And look, I feel like we have to pay off Hideki. It's been more than, it been more than, well, first of all, it's been more than two years since Hideki Matsuyama won at 62 on this golf course with the firm conditions that we had was, was absolutely insane as were the shots that he hit into 15 and 16. Uh, obviously added a birdie on 17 as well, but hitting those two shots on those two holes uh, to a set of foot of the cup uh, to seal the victory was certainly impressive. He has had, uh, like Tiger, like Will Zalatoris, some issues over the past couple of years with either his back or his neck and dropped outside the top 50 in the world ranking. I, I don't think it was out of the realm of possibility to, to suggest that Hideki may have been washed, that kind of his window had expired. He got the, the big Masters victory in 2021, and it had gotten to a point now uh, where he wasn't all that competitive. And so now to, to get a victory at the signature event, he's back up to 20th in the world. He now becomes the uh, winningest Asian-born player uh, in PJ Tour history, uh, I thought was was hugely impressive. Uh, on, on Sunday, though, and the story that I'm writing for NBCSports.com slash golf was the return of Will Zalatoris, who obviously had his own injury issues. I knew that's where you were going. Like, you didn't I mean, have to tell me. I knew exactly as soon as I saw the leaderboard where you were going to go. You were going to go to your boy. It's 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 ridiculous, though, Rex. So you you were at uh, Memphis in 2022, and mm -hmm. he comes so close so many times. Uh, three top five finishes in major championships. Is it in a playoff then, with clutch putts, the things that we didn't expect him to do? Amazing. Yes. So he wins that week in Memphis, the first mm -hmm. event of the Fast Cup playoffs. The very next week, he injures himself and is out for the rest of 2022. He, I don't think he necessarily rushed back too quickly in 2023, but he played a full slate trying to get ready uh, for the Masters. And it was pretty clear that he just wasn't right. Ended up injuring, injuring himself uh, in the tournament practice area and underwent a micro discectomy. The same procedure that Tiger Woods had uh, five or six years ago. I mean, that is a scary proposition for a 25-year-old to undergo that serious of a procedure and miss the entirety of the 2023 season. There were doubts, most certainly, about whether he would ever be able to come back fully healthy, whether he would ever be able to return to the player that he was on the PGA Tour. You were in the Bahamas, but he shoot 81 or 82 in the opening round and to now be where he is at this point, tying for second at Riviera, kind of opening up his schedule for the rest of the year, just two months after his competitive return, uh, all aboard the Willie Z train once again. And he's easy to root for as well. I'm with you. He's a star in, uh, in the making. If he can somehow, if he can stay healthy. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. And what we, what, I think we saw from him this week is a really good indication that he has come out the other side of all these things that you pointed out and was, uh, and, and is a better player. I, I think that's, we're heading in the right direction. I will say this. I got a lot of mentions from people on Friday that we did not do a special podcast. I was actually a little surprised not to get an email from you Friday night saying, let's fire it up. Let's do this. 
And so we, since we glossed over it and we're already five minutes in, let's go ahead and get to Tiger Woods withdrawals after six holes. I believe that's right. Six holes on Friday with a quote unquote illness. You were there. It had to be mayhem. I was laughing. I was gleeful because I was at home for the first time ever not having to deal with this. What were your thoughts? So a couple of things. Um, that's the reason why we did not do an emergency podcast, first of all, is because I've joined the real life on Instagram. I'm sure you're familiar. Actually, you're not all that familiar with that on Instagram. It's the 30 to 60 second clip. So I did one of those uh, and I will be doing it's more good. of those. It's really good. Check it out. I've been told uh, that I need to expand my brand socially. Uh, and so I will uh, continue to do so. But it was very funny, Rex. And so we were in the we were in the parking lot, and there was a couple of youngish reporters from Golf.com and Golf Digest who who came over. You kind of you know wide eyed. It was a little bit of, of a frenzy. I said, "Boys, this is old hat." Been here before, said, boys. I've seen this. Said, I've seen this movie. I know how this ends. I said, "Back in those Tiger Tracker days, we used to just camp out, camp out in the parking lot, wait for some sort of update, see what the prognosis is going to be, speculate on when his competitive return." is going to be this one certainly took me by surprise in the in the first round really the only concern was when he said that he was experiencing back spasms over the past couple holes i was i I almost caught a shank in the teeth uh on on 18 on thursday but it was still a, a little bit suspect you know he he seemed a little bit uh tight a little bit sore afterward but we've come to expect tiger woods to kind of be in that state post round over the past couple of years, didn't think much of it, but he did not look good from the outset on Friday. Didn't look good warming up. Didn't look good on the practice putting green. Uh, I, I had a, I had a feeling that he was going to pull out of the tournament, but I thought it was going to be because of his back, not necessarily because he was throwing up all morning and all night and needed IVs to get through the round. In, in that respect, the fact that Tiger Woods uh, had the flu and missed the remainder of this tournament, uh, I guess was, was a relief. It, and it does bring open the possibility that, hey, we could see him uh, at, at the Players' Championship. I, I'm not so sure that we would see him at Bay Hill. I don't think that's necessarily a golf course for him. Uh, if he really wants to get some more competitive reps besides the, the, the round that he, and the half that he's had in 2024, I suppose he could play at the Valspar Championship uh, where he has at least heated up in the no. past. But I, I, don't, I don't know. From, from what I saw, I, I don't think he's anywhere close to being a relevant contender for the masters. Uh, tell me, tell me I'm wrong. Uh, first and foremost, uh, I'm more concerned. I, I feel like this is that he has blasphemed uh, against in and out burger because everyone immediately went back to the pro-am on Wednesday when of course he, he grabbed an in and out housing it, housing it. He wasn't just, he wasn't just, Oh yeah. It. Animal style. It. Just so good. Just, Yes. Like, like you should, like all of us would, like, I'm not judging Tiger Woods. That's exactly how I do it. You're doing it on a red eye tonight. I've got a flight in six hours. I can assure (laughs) you that four hours from now, after we finish this podcast, uh, after uh, I tap out a Will Zalator story, I will be uh, housing some in and out as well. And hopefully not having the same repercussions. Grease running down your, your, your hands. Like I I know exactly how this is going to work. First and foremost, I want to not blaspheme in an out burger. This cannot and will not be a blight on that wonderful institution at all this cannot be that maybe it is i don't know but i feel like i'm gonna go ahead and come to that defense and i will say this of of everything that transpired this week with tiger woods i'm less concerned about him withdrawing after six holes 
with some sort of stomach virus, a flu, whatever the case may be. I we 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 don't know now. We probably won't know. Then I am about him hitting a shank on the 18th hole. Did not realize it almost beamed you in the head. Like this is news to me. So this is it, that that one is the one that got me. A sickening. That is a sickening sound. I mean, trust me. I mean, I've hit shanks. You've hit shanks. This was like a well. I, I've actually never hit a shank. I've hit so many bad golf shots in my life. No That's just not, no chance. No, because no, I don't the club. I don't deliver the club that way. Like you have to deliver it way present, from the inside out. Present, and I can't do hosel, that. I wish I could. Present hosel, present hosel first is how would. Yes, is how Tiger described. That's, that's awesome. That before either. <laughs> that's, that's good. Uh, the the best part was the Lance. Uh, was a look on Lance Bennett's face. His caddy this week, a longtime caddy on PJ Tour, worked for Matt Kuchar, among many many others. And like the fact they immediately flashed to Lance and the look on his face, like I I can't caddy for this. Like I I I don't have a number. For this, there's nothing I can do from the eucalyptus trees and Ryan Labner's forehead. I, I mean, it was actually a great recovery. And as, it was. as someone who has hit many shanks before, he had the exact same club underneath the tree that he just shanked <laughs> in the fairway. In the That's fairway, fantastic. he was trying to hit a little feather cut. Underneath the trees, he was trying to hit a low hook and actually pulled it off and, and, and missed the putt. I, I have to call Rex. I'm I kind of, I kind of think the excuse of back spasms may be BS, because just a hole earlier, fi- literally 15 minutes earlier, he piped a 270 yard three wood onto the green, had a very easy two putt birdie. The only thing that that leads me to believe that something actually did lock up was, and you've you've done this climb, the climb from the tee box to the fairway on 18 on a very uneven kind of craggly path. It's steep. I'm huffing and puffing. Obviously, Tiger's in much better shape than I am. But Is I he? could definitely – well, yes. Because mm-hmm. if, if he's if he's 48 and feels 68, I'm, I, I'm 36 and feel 86. The only yeah. thing I, I, can, I can think of is, is, is something may have gotten a little tweak there. But it was hard to believe the way he played the previous couple holes that, that something was, was a miss like that. Well, and we went over this. We did it on golf today this week when I, I was hosting with Todd Lewis, and he asked me what I thought a successful week was. And I'm like, look, man, just upright for 72 holes. Like, there is some wonderful comedy in the idea that he could have missed the cut. And I think when this happened, when he ended up having to withdraw, he was actually outside the cut line. And I he thought that's outside. Yeah, I, I felt like that was mildly entertaining because here's a guy who fought for a cut fought hard like went tooth and nail with the tour to make sure his event had a cut and then he was going to be one of the very very slim few who missed the cut in a 70 man event so there was some i I enjoyed that on some level right up until he withdrew but as i said to, to, to to todd earlier this week if he just remains upright for 72 holes and he has an idea. Like, I, I don't expect him to contend. I don't expect him to finish inside the top 10 or the top 20 or whatever the case may be. Just give him 72 holes to decide what he has, to see what he has, and to figure out what he needs to work on and physically and mentally and game-wise. All of these things get him ready for next month at the Players' Championship. And then that's another stepping stone going towards Augusta. Because we all know that's where this is heading. We talk about one event a month again apparently there's only six months on tiger's calendar we talk about one event a month all the time well there's only four events that really matter to him and so this was an opportunity for him to play 72 holes and to test the body and the back and everything else and to find out exactly what he needed to work on this is i don't want to say it's a disaster but it's a have you ever brought your magic to walt disney world like hey we came to play 
Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Fail. Uh, it's certainly a setback, and I think it, it, it made clear, Rex, just how difficult this is going to be. You know, it's, it sounds good in theory that he could do this Hogan schedule of just playing the major championships. But we now have a large enough sample size over the past two years to show I, I, his best finish is, is, a, is a T45. If he I could mean, do that, then, yeah, that'd be fantastic. But we haven't seen that. If he could do the Hogan schedule of five or six events a year, then, yeah, maybe that would work. But we really haven't seen that. I mean, he's just so rusty with his scoring clubs and and on and around the greens. And that 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 can't be just sharpened and, and tidied up with competitive rounds at the medalist playing against JT, Rory, and Ricky. I mean, you have to get a scorecard in your hand. You have to be going against the very best players in the world. You have to feel the surges of adrenaline. You have to see the different lies and conditions uh, and see – exactly where you stack up and he and quite frankly he just can't he just can't do it he can't play enough tournaments to knock off the rust he was two for eight scrambling in the opening round here i mean essentially if he missed a green he wasn't getting up and down and he was making bogeys he, he actually made more birdies he actually hit better iron shots than i was expecting and kind of we did the podcast after a practice round and his pro-am round as well like he looked pretty good driving the golf ball looked pretty good Iron play was actually a little bit sharper than it was last year, but it's just so messy. It's just so untidy on and around the greens that can only be sharpened with competitive reps. And he just, he can't play the tournaments that he needs to. He can't because, uh, and this is probably a bit of an outlier, but he he still to this day clings to that schedule that he loves so much. He wants to play the most difficult golf courses against the deepest fields in the most difficult conditions in that sounds great in theory. And when he was, I don't know, pick a number when he was 32 years old, that worked like his body allowed him to do that. And he was better. He was bigger, stronger, faster than everyone else in the field. And that works. It doesn't work anymore. I, I think and, and look, he's never going to do this. We, we banded this back and forth on golf today this week. Cause Todd Lewis made the argument that, well, he needs to play Hilton Head or he needs to play Colonial. He needs to play a golf course where he can legitimately contend anymore. Like, he's not going to do it. Like, at 48 years old, he's a fully formed adult and he has no interest in changing it at this point. So it's going to be the Rivieras and the TBC Sawgrasses and Augusta Nationals and the major venues the rest of the way. And he's setting such a high bar for himself. Like, it's almost like he's trying to set himself up for failure which is a terrible thing to say, but that's what I, you feel at this point. Yeah, I mean, you, you just, you, you want to say, well, it's just so easy. Just just go play the players, go play Valspar, <laughs> go play something to get ready for the Masters. His body 
can quite frankly just 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 not handle it. I think that's the frustrating part. Is is everyone knows? I think Tiger knows what he needs to do uh, physically. He just can't do it. Rex, one other thing from the week that I wanted to touch on was Jordan Spieth's disqualification in the second round. We have seen incorrect scorecards before. Uh, this was a pretty easy one where Spieth signed for a, a par when, in fact, he made a bogey. And once he left the scoring area, he was disqualified from the tournament. This was a little bit of an odd circumstance. You could, it's, it was kind of a perfect storm in a situation where you could see how he would get EQ'd. First of all, he made a, he made a double bogey on his 36 hole of the tournament. He was inside the top 10. Who's that no fellow behind him, by the way? I'm, I'm just not curious. Really is sure. he going to join the podcast or is he just, no? All right. Not really sure, but he's going to keep powering ahead. Uh, and also, Spieth was uh, very under the weather on Friday, to say the least. Uh, uh, several bathroom visits, in fact, bolted up the stairs behind the 18th hole to make sure that he could get uh, to the scoring area in time to also use the restroom. Obviously, this fueled a very hearty debate on social media. Here you have uh, arguably a top three most popular player on the PJ Tour who is disqualified for what does seem like a little bit of an archaic rule in 2024. Literally the scorekeeping. It was a scorekeeping error. Where do you fall on this debate? Does the, the punishment fit the crime of signing an incorrect scorecard? No, it's time to for golf to come out of the 19th century. Let, let's be honest on this one. And like, look, I was fascinated watching this one kind of from afar and seeing sort of the outrage on social media about it. And I tend to agree. We have shot link. We have. All right. Had to switch everything up then, did you? Just a little bit better vantage point. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I tend to agree with, and I, I don't like agreeing with the voices on social media. I don't like my allies in that particular situation. But come on, man. It's 2024. Like, we have TrackMan. We have so many things. Like, we know we know what someone's score is. And even if, if, it's, not, even if it's not Jordan Spieth, like, pick a random player that, I don't know, that no one is following. You still know exactly what his score is. The way the, the PGA Tour is set up these days, like, no one's going to slip through and be like, I shot 71. No, he shot six, 72. Ah, you got me. Sorry. No, that's not going to happen in the modern PGA tour, because there's walking scores, there's shot link, there's all of these things. So I just think it's time to, I understand there was a time back in the day when Roberto DiVincenzo had to walk behind the 18th green. And, and I did this story and, and I interviewed Roberto about this. It was a tiny little like unfolding table behind the green at 18. And, and the entire crowd is kind of over your shoulder as you sign your scorecard. There's a lot going on. And I can see how in that day and age, no one really knew what, what Roberto has shot. The scoreboard said it, but you weren't 100% sure. So I understand the need for him to get that right, him to sign the card, and because that's that's the way the system worked. Today, we don't need that. There's cameras pretty much on everyone. There's shot link on everyone. There's radar on everyone. Like, it's just not necessary. Let, let's stop clinging to these things. And again, we had this argument last week about Scottsdale. Like golf, golf wants to be mainstream. Golf wants to be popular. It wants to be one of the, the sports that everyone talks about. And yet we constantly shoot ourselves in the foot with things like this. And it's so interesting because I think it was in 2019 where the rules of golf underwent this modernization to kind of do away with some of these archaic rules. You know, you think of uh, the player kind of lessening the punishment for an infraction that was discovered only 
uh, kind of an unknowingly by the player and only discovered with the slow motion replay. Like that punishment has been lessened. I, I'm okay with there being a punishment for signing an incorrect scorecard. There at least needs to be some sort of personal accountability or responsibility, but a, a disqualification from the tournament is, is just overly harsh. It is way too severe. Dock him a shot. Dock him two shots. Just Whatever. fix the score. You don't have to do any of that. Just fix the score and make it what it actually was. I'm fine with that. It's not like he was trying to cheat. I don't believe that. I don't believe he was trying to cheat. No, I think he was in such like a head fog from being under the weather. And it was there was, there was pressing matters in the scoring tent of, of trying to wrap that up. I think in and out as, got him too? As, as, as quick as possible. Also, those two guys uh, mm-hmm. on the PJ Tour policy. The same. Who knows? Who knows what's happening uh, in those policy board meetings? Like, I, I think there should be some. I think there should be some sort of penalty, but this is just way too harsh. I, I, I'm with you. There's dozens, if not hundreds, of cameras located around the golf course. We have uh, finite uh, data represented uh, rep- represented through all the shot link data uh, throughout tournaments. Like, it's just it's just outrageous that we're still signing other players. Uh, scorecards you still get the cutout you're still reading it it's still being input into, into computer it's just it's just so unnecessary so i i'm with you i i think there should be a penalty but, but a dq in the in these times it's just it's out have you ever brought your magic to walt disney world like hey we came to play did you tip your tiara to a creole princess or get goofy officially step up like a boss and save the day or see what life's like under the tree of life did you if you could would you when we come through it's true magic because we came to play bring the magic at walt disney world resort everybody loves mcdonald's fries so, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. I don't even think there should be a penalty. Because look, I, I don't like you. Don't expect the NFL player to keep the official score on the on the field while they're playing. Like I, I just don't know why we can't come into twenty twenty four. And I, I guess the idea is like, look, there are some levels of golf where this still applies. And you and I will both be at golf's longest day for the U.S. Open sectional qualifier. Golf's longest day, college golf. I think even yeah. Corn Ferry Tour when you're traveling sure. to some of these far flung locations that they are, where you don't have the volunteer presence. A PJ Tour event does totally get that, and, and you I, have to be careful about it. Totally there get it. Needs, there definitely needs to be some guardrails in place. But a PJ Tour event, a twenty million dollar PJ Tour event with tens of thousands of fans on site and an enormous volunteer army, uh, I, I, I just don't, I just don't understand the penalty. I want to switch gears real quick because this is a signature event, and coming off of Phoenix, where we talked a lot about what everything that went wrong with Phoenix. Do you feel like this is a little bit more of an indication of what we can expect from the signature events? I don't know. I mean, walking around Riviera this week, it kind of felt juiceless. I, and it seems, it seems ridiculous, but you think about the defending champion of this tournament, John Rahm, uh, who is now 
on live. And I'm not saying John Rahm is the needle on the PJ tour, but his mm-hmm. absence this week, I, I think was, was noticeable. And I think it was, it was felt in, in ways that I, that I'm not sure I expected. If you, if you think about the PJ tour and the depth that you have, I think it's deeper than it's ever been before, but I think the, the actual top level of the sport is, is pretty condensed. You have Scotty Scheffler, uh, a, a major champion, but he hasn't won on the PGA Tour since the Players' Championship. You have Roy McIlroy, who's been a, a, a fantastic player over the past 15 years. And John Rahm, I would put in that Tier 1 as well. If you remove one of those players, that one of those top-end players from a PGA Tour event, that's huge. I mean, you, we've, we talked about Patrick Cantley on this podcast. We talked about Xander Schauffele on this podcast. Will Zalatoris, if he can kind of rejoin that upper echelon as well. Victor Hovland's not playing his best golf this year. Jordan Spieth got, got, got DQ. Justin Thomas is on his way back. Whatever the case may be, there is a very defined tier one in golf. And when you lose one of those players and you're down 33%, uh, I think that is, I think it was very noticeable. And there was a, there was a distinct lack of juice this week. Now, when you step back, you say, okay, Tiger wasn't there. Spieth wasn't there. JT wasn't there. Rom wasn't there. What do you, what do you expect? Patrick Kent was up by five. At the halfway point, what do you expect? Uh, I I thought with this leaderboard that we had, it would feel a little bit more exciting than it was on Sunday, Rex. No, and and watching from home, I, I think I'm with you on that one. And it it's tough because this is an iconic event on an iconic course in Los Angeles. All of the things, Tiger Woods is the host, and it still felt flat. And I guess this goes back to it's just been a bad three weeks for professional golf. And I'm not even laying that on the PGA tour. I feel like it goes both ways. I, I feel like it's been a bad three weeks for the PGA tour, for live golf, for everyone who's involved for golf at, on that level. And look, I, I always want to separate them. Like it's been a bad three weeks for professional golf. Golf is still fine. Like golf itself. Like I went and played this weekend. The golf course was packed. Everyone was having fun. That's an entirely different scenario. In this case, like you look at what happened last week in Scottsdale. And I'm not even talking about the weather, and I'm not even particularly talking about what happened with the fans. It just, to your point, it felt flat. You go back to Pebble Beach. With the weather, shortened to 54 holes, it just felt flat. And then to hear it from you that when what I'm watching on TV matches up with what you see on site, it leads me more and more to the inevitable conclusion that whatever's going to happen, and it's a, that's a drinking game. Like, I, I, I don't remember who sent it in, but that's a fantastic drinking <laughs> game. Whatever's going to happen, drink up now, is, is going to be good for golf because it's going to bring all of us back together. And I feel like that we have to. There is no other choice because you're right. It, going separate directions isn't the right – it can't work. Whatever's going to happen. I believe the other one was uh, whatever the case. Whatever people are getting case. hammered. Stop it. Whatever the case may be, I think those were the two buzzers from this pod, podcast. I don't believe I've said it previously. Uh, I, have, I have purposely tried to cut that out of my vernacular for this podcast. Uh, perhaps I have not done so successfully. It, I think that does, Rex, segue to, to something that Rory again reiterated on Saturday, this, this need for a world tour, the, the need for the best players uh, to, to come together. I fleshed it out on NBCSports.com slash golf uh, on Saturday night. In, in, it wasn't necessarily – what he was saying, but it was kind of some of the details that he presented that he hadn't previously done so, uh, whether on that soccer podcast at the end of the year or in Dubai earlier this year. And so he's talking 
about, you know, having this 80 players. He's having it be 24 tournaments. He's talking about visiting Australia, the Far East, and the Middle East, and, and having half of the tournaments in the U.S. and half of them kind of spanning the globe. It's going to be this Champions Tour model, which even though I had to look it up, I don't think it's a, it's a perfect example uh, with how it's actually going to work. But in his, in his idea, the PGA Tour is, is actually under what this world tour would be, and everything is kind of flowing in that direction. That only works when you have the best players altogether. That only works when you have the best players in the PGA Tour, the best players in the DP World Tour, and the best player of some live golf all together again. It just seems, Rex talking to some players, like either Rory's way ahead of the curve or Rory is way outside the box from what everyone else wants. But it, it does not seem like the top players on the same page for what the future of golf needs or should look like. Uh, I wrote this at Pebble Beach. I feel like Rory is sort of the, he's the foreteller. He's the one that's going to call it early. I hope so. Like, and, and look, he's come around a lot. Like he's changed his tune a lot. He's done a lot of dancing and that in itself is a whole different conversation. But when it comes to these things, it's a bit of foreshadowing. And I think Rory's got it right. Like I think, Eventually, it's going to actually. The, the it was this is fantastic. I didn't even read the handle when, when you sent me this. It's at golf barbecue BBQ and watches. That is fantastic. Like, I mean, I we should be we should be best friends with this guy. That, I that, like all those, I like all those things. That guy, and it was one, what that looks like, and two, whatever the case may be. So, hmm. I think I'll we've only back and listen. Yeah, we've only hit one of those just to be fair, but that is a fantastic handle. Um, Drink up. I feel like Rory on this and i'm not going to again this is an ally that i don't particularly want in this this case i, I feel like he's 100 percent accurate like we're going to land at a spot eventually i'm trying to talk my way around whatever it is we, we <laughs> is going to cause me to say those words whatever it is we, we wherever it is we land it it has to be some version of that global tour whether rory is right or not i i don't know but it's got to come back together because you, I, I don't think it's sustainable to have all of the, the top players in the world, half the top players in one location and the other half here. I mean, golf is just not popular enough to support no. two tours. It, it, it isn't. And look, you can poke a lot of holes in this world tour concept. You can poke holes sure. in the fact that it's just going to be 80 players and it kind of seems like a closed shop. You can point to the fact that this is basically, as I pointed out on Golf Central, on Saturday night, this is essentially just a bloated version of live, right? If it's going to be 80 players and 24 tournaments and live golf is 52 players and 14 tournaments around the world, it's really not all that different. This is, this has been an idea that's been formulated for the past 25 or 30 years. I just think now there's, there's more of an urgency, especially now with the injection of money from, um, from the strategic sports group, if you want to maximize profitability, and we said this a couple of times, there's only a couple ways to do that. You can cut costs, and I'm sure they will be cutting costs around the PGA Tour. But another one is to engage fans in a way that you haven't previously and to, to tap into new sponsors, new venues, and new markets. And so as Rory continues to say, and I thought he was quite eloquent on Saturday, right now it's trying to get all these top players to sing from the same hymn sheet. There are so many competing interests whether it's a top player, whether it's a middle-class player and a rank-and-file player, whether it's a media partner, whether it's a sponsor, whether it's tour leadership, like everyone has their own competing interests in, in either convincing them 
that this is the best path forward or having having it laid out for them uh, that this is this is the only way to proceed it, it just it seems like a battle that that Roy's willing to wage but talking to some of these youngish Americans on the PJ tour like they're not they're not they're not buying it they're not buying that they that they need to go travel eight to ten times abroad uh, to complete this new world tour schedule I think that's where the hangups going to be and I think they will eventually like again it's going to be a changing landscape and once everything plays its way out I, I think it's safe to say that you would have enough compelling arguments to make to all of the top players on both sides on the pga tour side and on the live golf side to explain that this is best for golf it's best for you as a player it's best for the media partners it's best for the sponsors it's best for the fans and we can argue that that has been the point of this all along and i i will say this and and i was really really curious of this i had to watch it a couple of times and i am not this is not me criticizing a media partner in at all go but, on well, but Mackenzie Hughes did a walk and talk during his, his round. I believe it was on Friday, if I'm not mistaken. No, and Saturday. during, uh, I'm sorry, Saturday. And during that walk and talk, they specifically dug into the idea that I, I guess Max got some serious ideas on it's become more about money than he's comfortable with. He's not the only tour player that's come up with this. And my guess is I don't know this. So I would be really, really curious that he probably indicated to the producers that this is something he wanted to talk about, which is all well and good while well, you're shaking your head. So apparently it, it was not something he wanted to talk no, about. No, that was not, that is not the, the time. That is not the time. That is not the time to get into this. He that is his approach into 15 and all of a sudden you're going to hit him with. So what do you think about this whole divided landscape? Like, and again, maybe he wanted to talk about it. I don't know. Maybe this is something that he told the producers that, yeah, like I'm passionate about this. Hit me with it. Like slap me across the face with it. I have something to say. That's great. After a round on Wednesday, after a pro-am round on Tuesday, whatever the case may be, I, I love Max's thoughts on this. Like he was, it was well thought out. He was articulate. He, he was insightful. Like all of the things that I love about Mac Hughes, he was right there, but not in the middle of a round. I'm not going to ask him to like, what's the next question? What do you think of the Israeli war? Like, is that the next question? I, I mean, I thought he handled it really well. I thought he was quite eloquent, but can you imagine like Patrick Mahomes being mic'd up on the sidelines and he's waiting for his next possession. All of a sudden they hit him with like thoughts on free agency. So what do you think about like the next collective bargaining? Like, <laughs> what are, like what are some of the bullet points you guys are trying to do? It was, that was a, a, a big miss. Uh, and if I'm Matt Hughes, uh, I, I would have not been uh, particularly enthused either. Well, and I do want to say, and uh, I think it's this month's green sheet. So green sheet's just kind of a form that's sent to players every month. It's kind of how do you, updating. How do you how do you get those? Uh, I, I have ways of getting them. Anyway, in this month's green sheet, uh, it, it's kind of just inside stuff on tournaments and whatever players need to know. There was an entire page, and it was written by I'm sure Jack Ryan. Like I've never asked Jack, but he's a tour official. He's like he's from Georgia, you know him. Like the, the, it was just dripping with Jack Ryan, but it, they had broken down exactly how players had performed before, during, and after these in-round interviews, and what what they were doing with this one pager was trying to convince players that trying to well, allay some concerns that this yes. would be a huge distraction. Like I think scoring average actually went up during the interview. It went up after the interview versus what it was before the interview, which is completely anecdotal. Like it, there's, it shouldn't be anything at all attached to it. But I do remember watching those first interviews last year. Like I remember watching Billy Horschel maybe at the Honda Classic last year, 
And they were talking to him as coming up 16, which is a really hard hole to begin with. And he's chopping it up. And I'm thinking, this is going to end it. Like, it's all going to stop right here. We're never going to have another one of these. And But to do that interview, like, it has to be light and, and fluffy. Like, I'm all about hard journalism. Like, my entire career is tried to be about hard journalism. But in that moment, it's got to be thoughts on playing 16. It can't be anything more than that. Especially since the 15th hole at Riviera is one of the most difficult holes on the golf course. Mac Hughes, to his credit, delivered an eloquent answer and still made par. He ended up bogeying the 18th hole, and he had a forgettable day on Sunday, shot 74, and ended up dropping all the way outside the top 30. So Jack is probably going to have to update his green sheet for next month to say exactly what happened to Mackenzie Hoops. I hope this does not discourage other players from doing so because I do think there is a benefit uh, to it. I think it is uh, uh, over, I think overwhelmingly been a success over the past year and a half. Uh, but I also would not blame Matt Hughes if he thought that that was a big swing and a miss on Saturday at Riviera. All right. That is going to do it from this edition, of the golf channel podcast with Rex and lab. I have a Will's out tour story to write. I have some in and out to devour and I have a red eye mm-hmm. flight to catch uh, Rex and I will both be on golf today on Tuesday for our traditional two-segment roundtable. Make sure you guys check out that as well, Rex, as at Ryan Lavner on Instagram, verified account. I'll be living the real life and posting more on there. You guys are welcome in advance. But we'll be back uh, on Wednesday for a preview. Could be a short one of the Mexico Open before the (laughs) tour heads uh, to uh, the Sunshine State and the official run-up to the Masters. But thank you guys. As always, for listening and read the website, we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Have a good rest of your weekend. Shout out, Ross, for all your help. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's.